Hit it. Oh, how you feel, brother? Feeling good. You feel good? Got it. With a great phone back. And score brilliantly. How you feel, man? I'll call your name. I don't want people to know you're in here. He is a one-man highlight reel this season. Hey, yeah. Sure getting down. Undimmed by the passing years. Look at him. It's ah. Nanny who scores spectacularly. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Orlando Soccer Show, where we bring you all of the best and greatest news in Orlando soccer. That that's right. We 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 do. It's the best, objectively speaking. Yeah, we uh six-time award-winning Orlando Soccer Show. Don't ask me what awards and who nominated us, but we we have won awards. We we, we have won awards that we made up. And gave to ourselves yep. Yep. Exactly. so that we can feel better about our lives. Anyways, that was Gavin Eubank. Uh, Kyle Foley is also here. Uh, Brad Newton this week is oh, not. What's that? Brad is not gone. here? Well, that's weird because I'm here. He's so, not. You know, if I'm here, everyone else must be here. It's true. But Well, well you know. You you were you were not here yeah. last week, and we we did say uh, fire. I Gavin. heard I heard what you said about me a few days ago. Yeah, and I don't think that you can separate business from friendship. I'm your friend, but if I ever see you in the ring, I can beat you. Don't you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, for the record, I will be seeing you guys in the ring in about two weeks from now. So, this is true. What ring, you may ask? Well, you'll find out in two weeks. <laughs> Anyways, we've got a lot to talk about here today. The draw versus NYCFC. The sale of Orlando City. Alexandra Pato is out for a couple weeks. Jordan Bender's been loaned out. The OC Academy 23s are playing this week. And uh, the NPSL Central Florida Soccer Club Panthers start their season this week. UCF out of the NCAA tournament. And then we've got our weird news and red cards per the usual. So let us begin by talking about the 1-1 draw versus NYCFC. This was going to be the benchmark game at the early part of the season to see where Orlando City was in terms of the rest of the league, considering that NYCFC is objectively one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference and all of MLS. So it was a good benchmark performance to see where Orlando City was four games into the year. And they did well. I, I feel like they probably should have won, all things considered. But uh, a 1-1 draw seemed kind of disappointing from Orlando City's perspective, but I, I thought it was a an okay result. I thought that the way Orlando played, the way they dominated the game, and the way they changed tactics from the first half to the second half really opened up some of the offense. The first half, a lot of the play was long balls over top to Juan because of the really really truncated midfield that nycfc was playing like they were basically stopping any balls going through the midfield they had such a a high line with a very high press uh that really stopped any balls from the center backs going into the midfield and and that's how orlando city wants to play and if you have the the people and the players to be able to really press the back line and and stop orlando city from playing out of the back and through the midfield uh, you're going to cause them a bit of problems 
And so for that first half, that's exactly what happened. You know, NYCFC had a good game plan for the first 45 minutes. Uh, Juan's speed really opened up the game and uh, allowed some of the attacks to happen for Orlando. But then, of course, he gets injured in the 44th minute and everything changes. You know, you have to change your tactics because you can't rely on him anymore. So in comes Jean Moutinho, who was not expected to play 45 minutes. He was maybe going to play 15 or 20, definitely not 45. Um, and we'll get to his performance a little bit later. But his his play really opened up some of the offense. You know, him him just being a naturally left-footed player, he was cutting into the defense uh, from that left side. He was getting into the middle, uh, pulling defenders left, right, and center, and, and just opening up space for some of his teammates, which uh, Kyle Smith can do, but he's not as adept at it. So you saw a lot of uh, play going down that left side, which ended up helping Nani. Uh, because Zhao and, and Nani have a really good chemistry. They work well together, and uh, Zhao has that innate ability to, to make runs. He knows when Nani's going to do one thing, and uh, it, it ended up leaning into a goal. Nani's third golasso in uh, three games. He had the, the back heel against Kansas City. He had the uh, outside-the-box curler against FC Cincinnati, and, and now he has that typical Nani goal, which uh, he has scored so many years uh, for Kyle's Manchester United, where he takes a step in, drills it from outside the box, and curls it into the top corner. Uh, beautiful strike, gave Orlando the lead, and um, after that point, the game opened up. NYCFC had to start pushing numbers forward. They had to try and get back into the game, which then left them a bit more susceptible back on defense. Unfortunately, Orlando couldn't capitalize on it. They had some good chances in the attacking third in the second half, but just could not find that second goal. At the end of the day, there's going to be discussions about Tesho Akindeli, who's going to be the best person up top for Orlando. Should they bring Daryl DK back? Should they not sell him? And we'll get to that uh, later on this this little discussion point, but I want to get through the rest of the game. Uh, like I said, Jaume Moutinho, a bit of a mixed bag, simply because he gave away the game-tying penalty, but also helped in that build-up for the first goal. Uh, not the greatest of challenges. There was kind of a worry with with Zhao, you know, he hasn't played in such a long time. Going in for some of those challenges, it's, it's always going to be very risky. And uh, it did not work out for him, unfortunately. Orlando concedes a, a penalty in the 75th minute. And Valentin Castellanos, I mean, he was, he was really, really, really good. Like one of the most dangerous players that Orlando has played against this year. Um... I, I, he was always very dangerous at scoring, and, and he was integral in building up some of the counterattacks for NYCFC. His first touch and his his just ability and his speed really changed the game for NYC. And, and they're still missing Bear, who's their starting striker normally. He, he was out a lot of last year as well. So I can't imagine how they're going to be if he gets back healthy with Castellanos up top. Uh, it's going to be a very scary NYC team. But it finished 1-1. NYCFC almost won it at the very end, though. Came very close. Uh, Nani actually had a turnover in the midfield in the 94th minute. Jesus Medina took it uh, off a pass from the midfield, and he was in on goal. There was there was nobody stopping him. Antonio Carlos and Rodrigo Schlegel, they were gassed. They were just trying to, to chase him down. Ended up getting him just enough moving to his left that he was able to shoot. And Pedro Galese, big credit to him, he came up with a huge save put himself in great position to just knock it away and Orlando clears it game is over ends in a 1-1 draw but I mean just imagine if NYCFC scored at the death 
in that fashion, how how much of a disappointment that would have been for Orlando compared to just the one one draw. Orlando was disappointed after the game. I mean, Oscar Pereja was saying in the locker room that they were disappointed, they were upset that they didn't win, they felt like they should have won, and the stats kind of show a little bit of that. I mean, Orlando had the possession, they had the shots, they had the most on target, uh, they had the more passing accuracy, more corners. It was an impressive performance from Orlando, and it's probably disappointing that they didn't come away with a win, but take it for what it is. Anyways, I've talked enough. Guys, thoughts? I mean, yeah, you, you gave us a lot there, um, so I'm going to kind of hit on those points starting from the top there. You know, you mentioned the result, and it was one of those games where it obviously could have went either way. I mean, these two teams were very evenly matched, I think, throughout the entire game. Both had swings of momentum where one was the better side for parts here and there. Obviously, that that breakaway at the very end could have you know, devastated the whole day for Orlando City. But it does feel like one of those games where you watch the effort that the team is putting in and you know like he said Nani was mentioning it after the game you know he said that Orlando should have won it and he should, they were disappointed that they didn't win it and I think when you look at the performances of guys like him I mean like everyone out there for 90 minutes is giving it their all and it's one of those days where you know there's there can't be too much effort being put in and that was this game and and you know Orlando yeah they probably should be disappointed that they didn't win um, they didn't capitalize on a couple of opportunities that they had, especially early in the game when they were really kind of, you know, putting those scoring chances together before things kind of fell apart for the, like the last half hour of the first half, where you know most of the play was kind of quiet. Um, but when you look at the way that they played this game, it was like you said, very kind of narrow. I think for the first half, when you look at their passing chart, you look at their uh, passing network throughout the game. It was very compact, mm. very, very in you know. Uh, tight into the middle of the field, which is not necessarily something we see a lot from them. But that was one of the things I noticed was that they were trying to play their game a lot. You know, uh, Mauricio Pereira, Pereira wasn't such a big factor in this game because a lot of what he was, you know, was good at is those quick one-touch passes, kind of moving the ball around the midfield. But NYCFC was very well uh was very well defended in the middle of the field. They were very compact. They were very organized, and it was like. They gave Orlando almost no choice but to play over the top, but to play those long balls out on the wings to switch play across the field. And it, you know, they they got a lot of opportunities out of that, especially like you said from Huan, who was really showing his uh, his his uh, dangerous. I'm looking for the word, but you know, he was showing his ability to get in behind and to shoot, you know, to use his speed. He was called off a couple offside a couple of times. Same thing with Chris Mueller, where they would get those that that open space on the on the right side of the field but they would be a step or two offside there was one moment I don't know if I have it in my notes but it was early in the game and I think it was Mueller called offside on a breakaway but the replay showed you know at first glance it looked like he was offside but the replay you kind of look at it and it's like maybe he's much much closer than it what it originally seemed um but yeah you know it was a game plan that they they wanted to do they kind of were forced out of their comfort zone but you know um, you mentioned Jao Moutinho. Yeah, he you was not expecting him to come in. You know, someone who was at the game told me that they saw uh, Hope Rio Hope Gun warming up. Um, 
mm. prior to halftime when Huan was originally injured, and I thought that that was going to be interesting. I certainly did not expect Zhao to get in there for 45 minutes. I mean, he played 10 minutes last week in his first game in eight months, which, you know, you see him, he goes in there and he makes a mistake like that. And it's, listen, you know, game, there's game fitness, but what is also in that it is where physically you're ready to play, but there is also the mental side to being game fit because you can't run through situations like this. I mean, you can't practice things like this. You know, a game situation is a game situation and it's very unique. It's not something you can really just kind of put yourself into out on the training pitch. Um, and obviously, you know, he wasn't bad. He had that one moment that kind of cost Orlando City the win ultimately, but it is what it is. Um, Nani? Yeah, I mean, listen, we can we can have a bigger discussion on this guy, but year three, never did I imagine that he would be putting in the types of performances, scoring the types of goals, just doing all of the things that he does so well, that he's done so well now coming into his third season, and he's... This guy looks like he's got no stopping him. I mean, we were so concerned about the way he was going to hold up physically. I don't think that there is anybody on this team that works harder than Nani does to make sure he is as physically prepared to handle the gruel of this long season, especially playing in a place like Orlando, than, than Nani is. I mean, it's just so impressive to have been able to watch him over the last few years. It's... Everything he's done has exceeded my expectations. And listen, you know, I mean, the guy is heading into the tail end of his career and he's in a very good way. He's an integral part of Orlando City. And like I said, you know, that's a good thing because the team is good and it's not like this is a bad team and everything revolves around him. He's integral and they're good and he's good. And it's just makes it all so much more fun to watch him now. That's the end of my rant. Yeah. Kyle, any thoughts? So so I'm with you on all this news, Nani, and then I'll get to just general game observations in a minute. But I'm with you on all those things with the caveat of we're only a few games into the season coming off yes. of a year that was incredibly weird. So while I don't – I'm not sure I think this is entirely it. It is just, just a theory or a possibility – but a lot of that coming out the gate really strong is probably it's just good to be back in front of people, you know, much closer to normal. And we'd like to get even closer as well as the on the field, building on the momentum and continuing to improve. The question I have is, while, yes, it's been impressive so far, is it sustainable can it continue throughout the rest of the year? In any league with any team, one player cannot, you know, carry a team like that consistently. But it certainly doesn't happen in MLS. So the question that we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks is, you know, who comes in to replace DK? Where do we get these other bit players from? Because the club can't rely on just one player. So those questions are still there. I do think, though, looking at this game, my big takeaway was that they didn't give the game away and come away with, with, with nothing. Coming away with a point is definitely better than coming away with nothing because my expectation, I only got to watch the second half because, unfortunately, 
ESPN felt like playing college softball on national ESPN TV. So I couldn't watch until the second half. And of course, as, as soon as I turned it on, there's a goal scored, which was, which was great. But yeah, you didn't miss anything. Well, right. I didn't miss a lot. But from what I saw, it looked very much like I'm sitting there waiting for the, for the other shoe to drop. I'm waiting for Orlando to give up the goal and, and give up, you know, the points. And so to come away from that and not do that, to bend and not break is a good thing. Like I, I, and a lot of my expecting them to break is probably from years of just being used to Orlando losing. I don't think it's entirely based on the way the team has been last year and into this year. So I think to come away again, so Orlando obviously only won one and drawn three games, right? I'm getting my math right on that. I'm not looking at the schedule mm-hmm. right in front of me, but only one of them was a nil-nil draw, and it was game one. And game one in any season in any sport is is a joke. It's preseason, but especially when you didn't have a preseason. So every game since has been either a 1-1 draw or the 3 nothing victory, which I look at it and I go, wow, like I'll take that. I will, I will absolutely take, as much as obviously we would prefer wins over draws, I will take a 1-1 draw over a nil-nil draw because a nil-nil draw tells me you didn't care about the game. And the other team didn't really care that much either. So it just ended. Nothing really happened. 1-1 shows, and and we saw this, there was some fight throughout there. So I think, again, kind of the same way we've been talking about the last couple games, we've seen a lot of good things or or things going in the right direction. Mm-hmm. And the not as good things are not just pure negatives. There aren't things that we look at and go, ooh, this is bad. We look at things and go, this isn't quite there yet, or it's missing a piece, or it's it's whatever. But we don't look at anything with the team right now and go, mm, yeah, that's that's bad. That's a that's that's gonna be a real problem for Orlando City. And so I think again, this is just another game to continue to prove that the improvements that Orlando made last year and even in the beginning of this year were not a fluke, and that in fact the team is actually improved. And might even be, and I and I can't believe I'm about to say this. So so you know you know I'm gonna be careful, but the, the team might be good. Um, yeah, Orlando is it is, it, it is it distinctly yeah. possible. I, uh, I do want to note. So going back to Nani, let's say real quick. It, it is very well within my mind that we are only four games in, and we've seen this mm-hmm. t- twice now, where he mm-hmm. gets off to very good starts, mm. but the final. 10, 11 games of the year, he falls off a cliff because he's put so much into that first three quarters of the season that he just doesn't have enough left in right. the tank. And, you know, here's stat is last year, six goals, six assists through 16 games, the final 10 games, three goals, no assists. I mean, managing his minutes and was, and I've said this several times, like that's going to be one of the keys to this season for Orlando City is when we get into the summer, things are fine now. When we get to, I believe, mid-June, there's the Gold Cup break. After that, there's like nine games in the span of like 40 days. Like the games, that's when the midweek games start coming. Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday. Like there's going to be a lot of, of action coming up. And that is where if they don't manage his minutes, then yeah, the, when maybe all of this is going to be for nothing. The biggest thing, like, like you said, so May 29th, is their game against the Red Bulls. And then after that, they have the Gold Cup break. They're back against Toronto with the location still to be decided, but it's probably going to be in Orlando as an away game. And I've gotten confirmation that there won't be fans there if Toronto 
is going to be playing in Orlando. Then you have a Tuesday game against San Jose in Orlando. And then a Friday game, all in the same week, by the way, in Miami or Fort Lauderdale. At least all three of those games are in Florida, and there's not like a distinct amount of travel that you have to do. But at the same time, that's three games in seven days. In June. Yeah. In Florida. Which is, you know, that's Luckily, kind of the caveat there. Right. Luckily, none of those are mid like midday games. They're all at like seven thirty, eight o'clock at night. Thankfully. Which by that point still, you know, you're looking at eighty five degrees at probably eight o'clock when the sun's going down still. Right. Well, so 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 we know like the idea of are they gonna have to manage minutes is, is obviously not disputed but yeah. i think the, the club's I mean, that's gonna have where to do depth that. is gonna come right. in right and that's so that's where my question is 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 what are the options behind him have we seen enough to feel like okay man if he's out it's okay it's not the end of the world and, and i want to talk about this i i don't think i don't feel that comfortable yet but i also don't feel uncomfortable if that makes sense i don't feel like there's an answer on that i do feel like there's an answer to can we replace not having dk i do think at this point the team has shown yes we can the the team could score goals without DK because he's not coming back. It's not happening. Just, if he does, it's for like two weeks. He's gone. It, he will not be an Orlando City player by the end of this MLS season. That just chances of that are insanely small, and it would take something bizarre for that to happen. So okay, I, so I think uh, uh, we'll, we'll have the we'll have the DK conversation right, in a minute. But so so who, so we haven't seen. Can you replace? You know now Nani, who who is who is kind of the because we talked about this in the beginning of the years for Orlando City, right? It was all dependent on everyone was just trying to give the ball to Kaká. Can we do something with Kaká? And it never worked, and that's why part of why, among many other reasons, why the club was really bad in those first couple of years. Now, obviously, things have changed. There is no longer just one key central player, but over the last couple of games, he's been the leader. And at 34, in a league that has as hectic of a season as MLS has, you can't count on a 34 year old to lead you through the entire season you've got to have people to replace him and we do i we do not have an answer to that question can he be effectively replaced well the the whole point of bringing in a guy like sylvester vanderwater is to basically mm-hmm. act as a winger on either side he's right. a left-footed player that likes to play on the right uh and, he, and he's still working his way into the league then you have alex alvarado as well who can be a, a very young potential player who was brought in at the end of last year, hasn't got much playing time, uh, yeah. but, no, th- but that's, there's still potential for th- them. That's my my point is there are options, but we don't have a definitive... That's why I said I'm not concerned either, right? Mm. I don't have... I don't have I, I don't have an answer to can he be replaced, but I'm also not sitting here going, oh my God, he can't be. Like, I think there are potential it's, options. Yeah, it's, we it's just very different from a, a couple we, years ago. Right. A couple years ago, it would have been, holy shit... Kaka's out. Gonna lose what the these fuck games. are we gonna do? Right. It's just we're gonna lose these games. Right. Yeah. Now it is much different. Now we ask the question: Can these guys step up? Obviously, we don't have. An, we shouldn't have an answer. I should. I should clarify that. I'm not sitting here going, "We don't have an answer," as if I believe that we should. We shouldn't have an answer this early on on whether to the whether those guys can. And we can't really speculate either because we've not seen enough. It, it's gonna take really getting to that point where they have those opportunities to fill in. And seeing what they could do, I think obviously the club made decisions bringing in Vanderwater, bringing you know, looking at that and going, this is someone that we're gonna possibly you know we're gonna need him to to hopefully fill that void. I think clearly the club identified what the potential issue would be, 
Now the only question is going to be, okay, now can they do it? And and obviously we're not going to have an answer anytime soon on that. But it is it is a lot more optimistic than it would have been even a year ago, let alone two, three, four, five years ago, where the answer to can we replace any playmaker was we have a playmaker. So it's a lot different now in mm-hmm. a good way. I just it's it's also it's just a lot of unknown. I think that there's there's two ways to answer that question. One is that like Austin said, they're, if you're looking at guys to replace Nani, they have candidates, but they're guys that we don't know if they can actually step up to that level, which most likely not because he's right now he's playing at a different level. Can Orlando survive without Nani? I think absolutely because the way that this, this team is not one-dimensional. This team is very flexible in the way that they play. They can play. I mean, if you lose him, it's, it's a loss. No, no doubt about it. But... You have so many weapons that you can almost you can get away without it. I mean, like for me, my biggest concern up until you know last season and heading into this year was was Orlando have a playmaker? Do they have a number ten? That's what they need more than anything. And as long as they have that, they can be fine. Because like Austin said, they have Sylvester Vanderwater. I mean, you're talking about Chris Mueller on one side, Huang coming up on the other side. If you lose Nanya on the left, you still have with a healthy Jao Martino, probably a you know one of the best attacking fullbacks in the league. I'm not concerned if Orlando was to lose Nani. I think midfield-wise, they have enough depth to play a very solid game when you're talking about Sebas Mendes, who's playing on another level right now, mm-hmm. Junior Urso, uh, Yuri Rossell, Andres Perea, who is, you know, He's not, um, I wouldn't call him a playmaker by any means, but he's a very good midfielder. He's a guy who can move the ball, who can play off the ball. He can, he can win the ball back for you. He can do so many things. He's versatile in his own way. I don't, I'm not so much concerned if Orlando can replace him. I want, you know, this team is going to be successful, more successful with him on the field. But I think if they suddenly were to not have him or he was to go through a funk, I think they would be just fine because their midfield midfield wise they're deep enough and um weapon wise they have more than uh, more than enough to kind of suffice playing uh, around nani at that point like you said with kaka kaka was the center of that team and when i say that nani is an integral part i don't mean he's the center of the team he's a very important piece but he's not the center of this team and i think that's the difference between where orlando was 2 years ago and where they are now. Right. No, and I'm with you on that. I agree with you on that. I, I guess hopefully I didn't make it feel like I, I didn't. I, I agree. I think it is much different now. I do think the club will survive if he's out. Just like I don't think, you know, when we saw DK doing well at Barnsley, we didn't go, well, shit, there goes Orlando's season. Orlando's not going to be any good. I think we looked and said, okay, so how do we replace him? What I, what I question is... And it's a good thing that that I'm asking this question and that I'm not the only one asking this question. So if Nani is out, whether it's for rest, whether it's an injury, whether he's just not feeling it right, not playing super great, you said the the team will survive. And I agree. And I think that's a good thing. I think now fans and, and, and even the club are going, that's not enough. It's not enough to just be, oh, it's okay. We can, you know, we can come away with a point or we won't get embarrassed, you know, with him out. I think, at this point the expectations for the club should be and are and I, and I think this is a good thing but that are you no know, whether he's there or not we should be fighting to win these games because success for Orlando City is not 
this year is not creeping into the playoffs and maybe getting lucky and winning a game. Success is being one of the top teams and and at this point competing for the MLS Cup. I I think if you really we made the playoffs last year, you did it then, okay, now go a step further. You don't have to make the final, you don't have to right, you don't we're not a definitely not a favorite to win, but you have to compete for it. And so in order to do that, you have to be able to when your star players are out be able to win games where they're not there and not just come away either you lost one nothing or you drew you know one one or whatever thing things that in a va- like aren't that big of a deal aren't bad results because you don't want what Orlando shouldn't be going is we're okay with being like the last or the second to last seed for the playoffs and making it in I think the standard has now raised to the point where no we need to be better than that I also think like you mentioned with not being worried if 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 Nani's out. I do think the club is capable of doing that. I don't necessarily know who's going to fill that void. We don't have the answer on that, but I do think that void does get filled. I think from what we've seen over last year and just a little bit of this year, we'd see that the club is capable of functioning and continuing to improve and grow and, and do well without all of the pieces that it needs. And so I think even with the team running at half you know, efficiency, you're still seeing good things. So I think this is all a good thing, but I do think the expectation is going to be, you know, we can't continue to have these like, okay, we're, you know, winning a game then we draw two or three games and then maybe, maybe we win another game or obviously we're going to, the team's going to lose at some point, right? A loss has to happen and it's probably going to happen sooner rather than later because that's reality. So the question is going to be, can we win more of these games where, you know, right now we're coming away one one or or nil nil can we win those games that's the question and then then the question is can they do that without someone like nani and there is no answer to that right now obviously we hope that they can i think all of us probably believe that it is possible i wouldn't know if i would say that it's most likely but it's probably like a 50 50 shot at this point my belief right now whether they can do that which i think is obviously a far cry from where orlando was even two years ago i think when i watch this team i mean listen it's we're four games in i haven't really seen enough to make any firm judgments on whether i think like oh yeah this team's gonna be really good i think this team's gonna be borderline like i you know you mentioned earlier that feeling of when is it going to break? You know, they're bending. When is it going to break? I can honestly say that after last season and coming into this season, I never had that feeling once. And I agree with you. Like, that was a feeling that was always in my stomach, especially even in early in games. It's like, all right, when are they going to give up the first goal? Like, when is when is this, you know, when are they going to go down to nothing? Like, I mean, I that, that the that first two anymore. the first two years kind of ruined us for that. Right. And I mean, even... um. Like two years ago, uh, not two, yeah, like under James O'Connor, when they were giving up goals within the first 20 minutes of games, like every game, like I don't feel that. And I think because we haven't mentioned this, but this team is so good defensively that I have no issues whatsoever. I think Car- Antonio Carlos is one of the best center backs in the league. Juan is a great center back or a great right back. Carl- Kyle Smith has stepped up. Jao Moutinho, when he's healthy, is a good center, is a good left back. I mean, we haven't mentioned once Rodrigo Schlegel has been outstanding so far this season. Mm-hmm. I mean, it felt like early on in this game against NYCFC, he was constantly in the vault. He was making big plays. He was making tackles. Like he was there mm-hmm. and he has stepped up. 
And I still think that Robin Jansen is a better center back than him. But if you have an option coming off the bench like that, that's a big deal. By the way, of all of the teams in Major League Soccer that have played four games so far through this point, only Orlando City and Seattle have given up the fewest goals in the league. They've given up two goals this season. That feels like an underrated talking point because, as we know, this team was not anywhere near the poster board of good defending two seasons ago. And now they are one of the best defenses in the league with guys who no one knows, with guys who are, and still, who are not and still missing two of fans. their starters. Yeah, and exactly, without two starters, that, that as well. So we, we talked a couple weeks ago, I believe it was a couple weeks ago, I can't remember if it was on the show or off, but we talked about how like Orlando City had the tendency to make very average goalkeepers look like a gods because of the oh, amount of shots an and opportunities <laughs> that right so now you see like when you see a good save you're not sitting and going oh yeah we just watched him say you know save 15 shots but still allowed in three because they had 25 obviously i'm completely pulling numbers out of my ass here but mm-hmm. you you understand you remember those days where it was like oh my god these this is ridiculous right like, yeah i mean joe bendick <laughs> saved like 15 shots at a game one day and then, like, right. 2015, yeah, we like mentioned a couple Hall. weeks ago, he he led the league in, like, saves one year, but at the same time, he also faced, like, 20 shots right. a game. I was going to say, yeah, he, yeah, even I go back to, so. like, like Tally Hall and Donovan Ricketts both played for the club and looked really good at one point, and what are they doing now, right? Like, it's – and I don't mean that as a negative – but They were both on, like, average, the cusp of retirement, though. Right, but, I, but I'm saying very average goalkeepers, right, being made to look really good, whereas now – with, with the defense, I think, so when we talk about, like, we're talking about, you know, have we seen the improvements offensively, and we, we talk about how we see the potential, and, you know, Gavin, you're less skeptical than I am. I think you're more likely to be optimistic than I am. I think that's probably just a fact of life. I've just eaten too much Arby's in life to have optimism. <laughs> but I think I, you know, I have question marks when it comes to what this team can do offensively. I have zero question marks to what the club can do defensively. Mm-hmm. I look at what we have managed to do without all of the best players in their positions and realistically like no big names right players who have done well but it's not like we have some like really big name center back right or or um you know we've got we've got oh we've got this really great right back who's just just so you know out of this world right we have guys who are playing really well and who are doing really good and i don't mean to take that away i just mean the names that people talk about are the offensive stars that we have, DK, Nani, even Chris Miller, like things like that. So when that's where your main focus is and you've watched the defense play really well, not conceding a ton of opportunities and chances, not being as, I mean, you said, and I didn't know that set, so I found it very interesting that they've they've allowed the, the fewest amounts of goals or tied for the fewest amounts of goals, which which is impressive because I've looked at it and gone, hey, maybe we could do a little better and not give this up. But you're right, only two goals in four games is very impressive and i think from watching last year and even from watching this year like i don't have question marks defensively with this team the, and even the question like i mentioned earlier the questions offensively are just will it be enough we don't know we don't have an answer i think we do have an answer defensively i, I think defensively there's a great goalkeeper that is a great back line even with some of the backups in i don't think there is any doubt or fear in that department and that that takes a team a long way arguably and i really don't think it's that arguable it takes you a lot further than having great scoring and attacking players can take you it's it's kind of the old adage right you know defense wins championships which is not entirely accurate because you need to be able to score right you need Mm -hmm. to be able to do that but 
you you cannot just be a high flying attacking team and have no defense and expect to win anything. And I think this is a team right now that looks very well rounded. Our only question marks are when firing on all cylinders, how good will it be? It's not a matter of, you know, when are they going to crash? It's just a matter of can they reach that next level, which is a very good position to be at if you're Orlando City or if you're a fan of Orlando City because this is the only year. Even last year when things looked good, it was never, oh, my God, this is so great. Can we find even a next gear? It was just, is this really happening? Like, is is this real? Is this just because it's COVID year? Is this whatever? Whereas this year, it's, no, we're building on that. And, and like we've mentioned every other week so far this year, continuing to see improvements and not seeing steps backwards. So for me, the two big questions going forward are, are we going to see that offensive growth from the, the we'll go with the reserve, that's the word I'll use, the reserve players, right? The, the backup players. Mm. And when the team loses which is going to happen because that is life. How does the team respond to that? Do they lose one and then it turns into, well, now we've gone six in a row without winning? Maybe not six losses in a row. I think that that would be almost impossible for this team. I think the team's too good for that. But do they bounce back from that and shake it off and just continue to move forward? Is the mentality there strong enough? And again, I, I assume that will be the case, but we have to see it. So, but I think by the end of June, we will have a really good picture of just how far this team can go because it'll answer our big questions on how well can they bounce back from adversity and how well can we replace these kind of star players. It's not an answer we can have anytime soon, but I do think in, in about a month, maybe a little bit longer, we'll be able to have those answers once once more games are, are kind of under the belt. I do, uh, I do think that this team is mentally capable of taking on the world i think i was at that point last year just like you i was yeah because you know i've never seen an orlando city team this bought in and and austin i know you see it too like everyone is on the same page the message is loud and clear and from top to bottom not just on the team but from the organization like the the goal is to win you know the goal this season is not to just make the playoffs it's they this team expects to win a cup this year. This team expects to be there at the end of the year. And obviously nothing, you know, nothing has really changed over the last 12 months as far as like the roster is concerned. They've added some pieces, but the the core is there. You know, everyone is still there. Especially when you look at from when Oscar Pereira was hired, you know, the core of the team hasn't changed, but the philosophy, the message, all of that stuff has and that has a tremendous impact on the way that this team has played I was there at that point last season too where I'm like I don't know if this is real I don't know what to trust but after a while it kind of became like all right yeah like this is they're not just doing this every other game they're doing it consistently like the play looks the same every game like you know I'm not concerned right now I don't have the concerns right now just because obviously the hardest thing to do in soccer is score goals you know to be good at that the way that this roster has been built, you know, they've kind of focused from the back up. You know, the, the goalkeeper is strong. The back line is strong. The midfield is strong. Now, I agree, it is kind of that final piece, but they're creating chances. It's not like this team, like a couple years ago when they didn't have a number 10, they weren't creating chances. Now, Chris Mueller has stepped up and become the player that he is now. You have Nani on the other side. You have Pereira in the middle. You have Sebas Mendes and you know Junior Urso and all these guys giving you different looks from all over the field. 
I think this team is far more dynamic. They're creating the chances. It's just a matter of finishing them. You know, we get 10 times throughout a game where they're getting good shots, good looks at goal. It might not be a shot on target. It might be a shot saved, but it's just a matter of finishing. Yeah, I do think they need probably someone in the middle. I, we, you know, we can get on to the, to the conversation about DK now as time's kind of, you know, we've been on this topic for a while, but, um, as far as the striker position is concerned, you know, I don't, I don't know that Oscar Pereja is worried about losing Daryl DK. As, as crazy that is to say, because you know, obviously, Daryl DK makes your team a lot better. But I think people knock a lot on Tesho Akindali because he's not Daryl DK. He's not Joseph. Wait, it's a completely different but play that's, style. That's fine with Oscar Pereja because he pl- exactly like well, the way been that around Orlando Oscar City for, plays for years, right? Like. If you watch the things that he does, he's doing exactly what Oscar Preha wants him to do. Mm-hmm. And occasionally, he'll be there to score a goal. He'll be in the right spot to score a goal. He's not going to always score that goal. But he's doing exactly what Oscar Preha wants to do. He's pressuring the back line. He's he's forcing, you know, these teams that want to try to play out of the back. You know, he's doing these things well. He's making good runs off the ball. He's distracting the center backs like He's not a goal scorer, but he's a good soccer player. He's a very smart, intelligent player that knows what his role is, and he's doing it well. And yeah, Oscar probably wants a guy who can score 15 goals, but that's not or the way Orlando City is built to play. And so maybe losing Daryl DK is not the worst thing in the world. Yeah, you want to score goals, but like I like I've said, you know, they have they have the tools to do that. Mm-hmm. And let me let me put up something because I remember an article that uh, Big D Soccer, Big Dallas Soccer, wrote about Oscar Pereja uh, a couple years ago, uh, and it was called "Are Strikers Oscar Pereja's Achilles Heel?" And they went through like a whole stat line of Oscar Pereja's strikers in his like history of coaching. So you go back from like Colorado to Dallas, and you got you have the most goals that a striker has ever scored. For an Oscar Pereja team was Maxi Arruti back in 2017 with 12. Mm-hmm. And he yeah, played 2,749 so minutes. Exploded last year. Yeah, but even DK didn't score double digit goals. Right. I mean, yeah, short. It was a shortened season. Yeah, 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 yeah. I get that. But it's never been like the thing that Oscar Pereja needs for his team to be successful. Right, Maxi Rudy averaged 0.39 goals per 90 minutes in 2017, with an expected goal of 9.8, and that was the best any striker has played for Oscar Pereja in okay, MLS. So, 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 two points to that. Two points to that. First of all, part of it is what came first, the chicken or the egg, right? Did he not have strikers scoring a lot of goals because he didn't have very great strikers, or did he have really great strikers who just weren't scoring a lot of goals, right? And that's 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 a different topic for a different... Like, There's a lot more that needs to go into that. Sure. But there's also a very similar debate that's happened around Pep Guardiola at Manchester City where they go, oh, you know, maybe he prefers playing without Sergio Aguero, without a number nine. Like, Manchester City are inarguably better with Sergio Aguero on the field than without. But Orlando the, the, City the point are is... In, oh, uh, stop, hold on. Right. Orlando City are are inarguably better with Daryl DK on the field than without. That part's not disputable. Correct. The question is just how well can that be replaced? So I do think obviously everybody in the club is going, we would hate to lose him. That would stink. We would that would be a negative thing. Mm-hmm. The question is how much 
of his of his production and of his play can we replace we maybe we don't need to replace all of it and we'll still be okay which is okay i think that's the case and i'm okay with that i think everybody is okay with that but let's be real like the club is indisputably better with him still here on the field like that's not even a debate and the idea that you know that's how pareja wants to play i i some of that i think has to do with who he's had on on the teams and i think you, I don't think any coach turns down a player like DK and goes, yeah, you know what? No, Maybe not. we're better without him. Of course not. Let me just read the names of his top goal scorers in his past, right? In Colorado, he had Omar Cummings in his first year with six goals. Colorado in 2013, Deshaun Brown, former UCF product, with 10 goals. Blas Perez, who was, was one of the best strikers in MLS at one point, uh, he had 11 goals in his first year in Dallas. David Teixeira, six goals. Then Maxi Rudy for three years, where he had nine, 12, and eight, respectively, from 2016 to 2018. Now, if you look at all of their goals scored per year, 2014, 15, and 16, they had 55, 52, and 50 goals, respectively. And in 2018, they had 52 as well. Every other year was 45 and up. And you so you have, had essentially think, you you essentially one player scoring you know twenty percent of their goals in those years, right? Which is again that's what happened last year with DK. Yeah, I mean like, and there's still so much of the season left that we we don't know how it's going to play out. We don't know who's going to be scoring, but even even a year where they have a David Teixeira scoring six goals as their starting striker in 2015, they scored 52 goals. Right, and that that's the thing is. The, there's this assumption that Orlando is going to sell DK and then Orlando has to they go are. out and buy buy a DP striker. Like, that's just not the case. Orlando, Oscar Pereja does not need a Joseph Martinez playing. Like, if he's going to buy, if Orlando's going to buy a player, they're going to buy someone that's just like Teshuak and Dali, but worth $10 million. Like, that's the case. Like, they're going to buy someone that fits the system. Orlando is not a system, is not a team that revolves around one player. Orlando is, you know, Oscar Perea has a style of play and every individual has an individual role within it. That's why, you know, we mentioned Tesho Akindali because he's not the most talented player on the field, but he has a job and he does it well. And that's, if Orlando was to buy a new striker, it's not just easy as buying someone who scores a lot of goals. It's buying someone who fits the can system. pressure. Yeah, who can pressure the center backs, who can play up high, who can get into space, who can do these things, not someone that is just kind of standing by, waiting for a run and to yeah, poach a I, ball. Like, that's not what they're looking out. for. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, but I'm I'm not making the argument that Orlando City needs to just go out and immediately go, okay, who's just going to score goals? Obviously, if they're going to try to replace him, the, the assumption is going to be they're going to. Well, that's to- what I'm saying is it's not just as simple as replacing Daryl DK. Like, yeah, you... It, right. This guy. This. Let's. Let's be honest. I mean, I don't know. You. You come out of college. You're. You draft a guy. Like that's not the same thing as signing a player. Like they just happened to put this guy on the field, and he was just really, really good at scoring goals. And that's not a bad thing. Let's but they don't necessarily this. need to replace Daryl right. DK. So let's replace this whole this whole conversation because I think you're thinking, you're taking it as how do you replace the, the him and his exact position and whatever. Or his, his play style, uh, my point is, and I think the point from a lot of people is, how do you replace his production? Mm. How do you replace the contributions that he makes on the field? And again, right now, we don't have an answer to that. We have potential options. We have things where we go, okay, this might work. But Tesho Akindeli is a, is a backup. That's someone you want 
available on the bench or available when you need to rotate the squad. And, and he is a great player for that role. I'm not taking anything away from what he can do, right? But his role and his production are very different than someone like Daryl DK on the trajectory that he's going. So the question is, how do you replace that production? You don't, it doesn't need to be a like for like replacement. Maybe they don't even go and bring in a new striker. Maybe it's bringing in another midfielder that can help create more opportunities and more chances for other people to take advantage of. Right. So it's not necessarily, can you replace him? Daryl DK, the person in his exact position and, and his exact amount of goals or whatever. It's just, can you, the, the club is inevitably lacking without him. We can argue how much they're lacking, but we know that if he was here playing for Orlando right now, Orlando would be objectively better, right? doesn't matter how much. The team would be objectively better if he was here starting for the, for the team right now. So the question is, how do you get to that point where you go, okay, obviously, yes, we probably would still be a little better off, but that gap is really limited. Right now, I still think that gap is kind of big, and it's a lot of unknowns. It's a lot of potential, but it's a lot of unknowns. So the question is, where do you find someone, whether it's someone who's already with the club, because you don't have to replace them with someone outside the club, right? And I don't think I've ever said, or any of us have really ever said, it has to be someone that they buy and bring in. But how do you and where do you find the replacement of production where you go, yes, this is different, this is not the same level, but it's not a loss, and the club is not worse. Yeah, I was going to mention Derek Dotson. You know, what if it's Derek Dotson and they see, I mean, that's the thing is, it depends on how you look at that position. And I think most people look at that striker position a little bit differently than Oscar Pereja does because, you know, Austin's kind of detailed. And granted, Oscar has coached in places like Dallas and Colorado that do not operate on big budgets. He has more to work with with Orlando City, and maybe that changes the way he sees that position. But I think ultimately, he's not necessarily looking for a guy that's going to just... Because, you know, like I said, he's it's got to be someone that checks multiple boxes, and that's not necessarily an easy thing to find. But it could be someone that is within the roster that a couple months from now is finally getting that shot. You know, we might not see Derek Dodson for a couple months, or if we do, it might be here and there. I mean, he just signed with Orlando City, so it's probably going to be some time before we see him, but it could be that. I mean, he's a very he was drafted, what, 7th overall, ninth overall? I mean, it could be it could be that we just don't know. Um, there's still a lot of things that kind of have to play out before we get to that scenario. But at the end of the day, you know, I've kind of what if what if Daryl Dika doesn't want to leave? What if he says, I like I like playing in Orlando. I went to England. That's, I yeah. got my five months in. I got that experience. That was awesome. Maybe I'll get it one day but right now. This is what where if I want what to if I win the lottery tomorrow? Right. I'm not it's, saying. It's I'm not saying. Like it's wishful <laughs> right, thinking. It's right. Definitely. So, 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 I, I, uh, guys, I, a lot of this we can continue talking about. Right. I, I, so, I want. I want to make one point that I think that addresses and, and ends this this topic. I think. I think we it. all agree that we don't have an answer mm-hmm. to what the club does to replace. I just think the difference is. I think Gavin is very much of the perspective of like the club has a plan. It'll work out. It's going to be fine. Whereas I'm a, a significantly more skeptical. I'm not pessimistic just more skeptical but i do think we don't have an answer i think there are potential options and again i go back to what i said earlier about probably by the end of june i think it's going to be a while before we have that answer of did does this work does this actually replace that right and i think i think ultimately they i'm sorry go ahead i was just going to say with with kyle i think his pessimism just kind of stems from the history of this club and the way they've 
done it's, things. No, it's not, it's not just about Orlando, though. That's just sports in general. Like, right. I, it's not even just looking at Orlando or even just looking at the teams that I follow in various different sports, right? How often do you see teams that show a lot of promise and, and will start seasons well and then absolutely shit the bed, you know, a quarter of the way through and then be awful, right? Like, it happens all the time. So look I think, at 20, I think Look at 2017 the, Orlando City or 2018 when they right. won six so games I, in a row and then absolutely shit the bed the rest of the season. So I think the appropriate response is to go, okay, these things look good. Things look to be getting better. I feel the optimism there. I see the tangible improvement, but it has to be sustained. And until it's sustained, you cannot believe that it is it is the norm. You have to still look at it as the exception to the rule until it becomes sustained. Because I think part of that is if you just get complacent, and, and by you, I'm not talking about just, just us talking about it or fans watching, but the club themselves. If you go, well, yeah, we're better now then that's when you collapse and that's when you lose it. You have to have that bit of an edge of you know, we've got to prove it. We ha- this has to sustain. This has to I don't, We don't just we don't just automatically oh things looked better last year and they started well this year so we're good. We're there. The mentality has to be how do we continue to push to improve this and get better and, and time after time in sports with so many different teams and so many different sports and leagues around the world, you see teams that'll have a good year that will look like man they're turning the corner, and then all of a sudden, they're right back to where they were. Remember, in the early 2010s, the New York Jets made the AFC Championship, I believe, three times in a row, right? The Jets. So bad teams can do good things and can look good for short periods of time. The question is, can you sustain it? Can it continue? I believe Orlando City can. I think we all believe Orlando can, partially because we want them to. But there has to be that healthy bit of skepticism of, Okay, but you have to continue to show that, which is why over the last four week, four games, they have continued to show they are not taking steps backwards, and that's what we need to see, and it just has to continue to grow and improve from here. Yeah, I mean, I think you're just obviously a lot more kind of pessimistic than I am. I mean, like I'm I'm a I'm a realist, like, but at the same time, I'm I'm optimistic. I listen. I don't know. I I have personally. I mean, Austin, you and I, like, we've watched every minute of this team. I think I've just seen that it has been consistent, not only over four games, but this is the same Orlando City that we saw over the course of last season, you know, over the last five months of yeah, the year. You, I can't, think it, you can't use last season, it's, though. It's you sustained. can't use last season. I mean, season. but I am because— <laughs> I know, but you that, can't. You know, those can't, were real games. They were real minutes. Sure, Maybe they weren't sure, the most but, but, um, right. so most that is normal, not... but this is it's carried over. And I think that, quite frankly, like— I don't see any reason to believe that this team is not, you know, when I say that they, there's an expectation to win trophies, yeah, it sounds far-fetched, but I do believe that Orlando City is one of the best teams in the league. Right, the club has set expectations for themselves to win trophies. And again, we can yeah, talk I mean, about what could be all the rest of the day, but I, we need to move on and talk about all the other stuff that we there is. Cause we need a, I need a definitive ruling, Austin, on which one of us is, is more correct here. Neither, you're both wrong. No, 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 we don't do that here. It's not no, there's no, no, we need, we need, if Brad I mean, is I'm, here, I'm, he would, op- he, I'm always the optimist, so I'm, I'm going with Gavin, well. <laughs> but that's because I'm yeah, optimistic I mean, about things. Yeah, I, you mean, you see something good and you want to believe, listen, we all Until felt they like proved in me otherwise. the team, yeah, I mean, the team won eight game. what is it, eight games in a row, seven games in a row, and yeah, like, that was pretty easy to believe, like, all right, they finally turned it around. This team is winning seven games in a row, 
and then they and that's where my stopped knowing how to play soccer but this is different this is i do but i but i'm telling you that i'm telling you i agree with you i'm telling you it is different i'm telling you that i believe that this is sustainable like i i believe these things that you believe i'm just saying but you're also saying you haven't seen enough to think that it's real I haven't seen enough to guarantee. I think I, I think this is real. I think this is the real Orlando City. Anything different, that's abnormal. Sure, but if Orlando loses the next three games, then we sit here and go, "Oh my God, Orlando's looking really bad." Like my perspective is going to be, "Yeah, no, it's just a rough patch." I don't think this means everything's a failure. I think it's a rough patch, but I do think a lot of people would go, "Oh, maybe this proves it's not real." I and again, I don't think this isn't real. I don't think the improvement is not real. I don't think the COVID year, and I apply this to any sport in any league again. I don't think it is an entirely accurate representation of how teams are or organizations are anywhere. I also don't think personally for any human being last year is an accurate representation for how things are. I think you can see hints of things. You can see signs of things. I think you can get ideas for things, but you, I, you need to see a full year of how things can be to get that definitive hundred percent answer. I don't want Orlando to just be good for one or two years. I want Orlando to be good for the foreseeable future. I want, if there are going to be new owners of the club, which I know we're going to get into, I want them to be coming in to something that is sustainable and not, well, you know, it looks okay, but we're not sure. Like I want those things. And I agree with you that we're, that things are going in the right direction. I think my perspective is just always to look at and go but it has to continue and you have to show it can continue not just in a weird bubble year and not just through four games of of mostly average play but not disappointing play like the play this year has not been amazing but it's not been it's not been bad like and we've talked about that we've talked about how it's not been the most incredible things right like we should have won against new york and didn't but we're not angry about that because it wasn't embarrassing it wasn't bad and those are all good things but you have to then flip that switch and then get to the point where those become wins and continue to be wins throughout the year. So again, I think we agree that this is the direction things are going. And I think we we all see that this is the most likely future for Orlando City. I'm just saying, hang back a second before saying like, no, no, no it's totally fine. If DK doesn't come back, everything's going to be great because we we don't know. Yeah, we nobody knows. Know. I, I agree. And 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 it's you know, the question is going to be, asked even more once the eventual sale of this team comes through and i'm glad you brought up the whole sale of the team because that's what we're moving on to the i just want to say real quick though five (laughs) years ago six years ago this podcast was presented as an idea of me and kyle just going back and forth and debating with each other so that was kind of a glimpse of what was originally this is our own first take (laughs) the fart the fourth official of the orlando soccer show whatever you want i'm just here so I i won't get fined I am yeah. the fourth official Stephen A. Smith. I would not like to be associated with either Max Kellerman or Skip Bayless, so that can be Gavin's <sighs> role. Okay, I can pull. I could probably pull off a good Skip Bayless, so I can be outrageous. Skip, I'm just gonna come on every week and go. How about Atlanta? Every time <laughs> they lose, because comparatively speaking to the Macho Man Randy Savage, you are nothing but garbage. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I know a whole other dynamic of all of this, as Austin mentioned, is <laughs> that Wolf Orlando family. City is going to have new owners this summer. Potentially. Uh, it could be completed uh, as early as this week, according to some sources. This includes Orlando City, the Pride, Exploria Stadium, the Academy System, and the training facility. If the uh, agreement is actually reached, then they'll need to go a 
basically a one to two month closing period before the uh, Wilf family, the owners of the Minnesota Vikings, assume control of the club. So you're looking at midsummer at the very earliest before Orlando City has officially has new owners. Uh, but this has been something in the works for years. It's been no secret that Flavio has had this team up for sale to the highest bidder to at any point who wants to buy it. And it turns out that the Wilf family, Ziggy Wilf and Mark Wilf, who own the Vikings and a minority share in Nashville, decided, hey, we like purple. Let's go with that team in Orlando. Screw the guys Nashville here in the- Minnesota. Let's do the one in, in the Sunshine State. Nashville, the team... Or do they own a stake in Nashville, the city? They, sorry, in Nashville, SC, the soccer club. I was hoping, in the I was MLS ho- I was hoping it was the city. No, uh, but they are selling their stake, their minority stake in Nashville, in order to get the majority stake in Orlando City. Um, this is valued between four and four fifty million, which has been the price tag set since like twenty eighteen. So nothing's really changed there. Flavio wanted to get his money back. People have come in with lower offers. I know of at least three suitors that came in, wanted to buy the club, and Flavio said, no, it's not enough money. And they didn't feel that the club was valued enough for them to stake out that much money. Now that the club's winning, it's a different story. Now that there's actually a good product that they can buy into that already has a system set up to win for the future, a lot of people will probably say, hey, you know, that's actually a good investment now. So... That's where it stands now. Uh, before the actual deal goes through, the MLS Board of Governors will have to approve the sale. Also to note, Albert Friedberg, who bought an 8% stake back in 2018 from Flavio. So he actually bought Flavio's stakes. That was valued at around $42 million at the time. Uh, he reached an agreement to sell his stake back to Flavio so that he could then sell the rest of it back to the Will family. And just a reminder, uh, Flavio paid $70 million for the expansion fee to bring Orlando into MLS in 2015. And then the stadium itself as well, which he self-financed, is valued at around $180 million. And when I say self-financed, I mean he paid some of his money, but then also got a ton of Brazilian and foreign investors to buy in through the EB-5 program, uh, where they would invest $500,000 and then get a green card out of it through the U.S. government. But that's here to nor here nor there. You know, that's just a, that another thing that happened. I think we all agree that the, cl- the, the, the club being sold is, in almost all circumstances, going to be a good thing. I think you look at well, the Minnesota Vikings as an organization. I mean, you're talking about an instant net worth upgrade of $5 billion. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that kind of makes a lot. I mean, if you're willing to believe that Flavio, as of 2014, was worth about almost half a mil- half a billion, you know, kind of depends where that is now. Obviously, he's put a lot of money into Orlando City. Um, the Will family, however, they're worth about what 5.3 as of three years ago, four years ago, which is probably much higher um, now. Um, but yeah, I mean, this this is a family that has tried. For the last five years to get into Major League Soccer, you know, they were very close to being the um, MLS team in Minnesota. They were going to play it at U.S. Bank Stadium. Um, ultimately, Minnesota United and the, the group there won out. And now Nashville was their way in. And the, clearly they see here an opportunity to have a much bigger piece of the pie and 
you know, join some of their many other NFL partners in this. And listen, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what it means for Orlando City, but they suddenly go from having one of the, I don't want to say poorest because these people are not smaller, poor, but budgets. one of the least valuable uh, owners in the league to suddenly, I don't know. I'd have to assume they're probably in the top ten, maybe top five, you know, in terms of overall value. Um, so that's kind of a big deal, um, especially for the Pride. I mean, the Pride are now probably the most valuable. Um, owners if not one of the top two in the nwsl so that's also a pretty big deal so just doing a a cursory google search earlier this week when preparing to talk about this and i do mean actually earlier this week and not like today it it does look like the will family they seem to be they're not a risk adverse ownership group right they're not going to come in and go we're not going to spend any money we're not going to do anything we're just going to hope that things go well so we can make a return on investment. I was reading into a bit on, you know, they got a stadium built for the Vikings, a new a new stadium well, just finished in 2016. Really nice by the way. But yeah, so it's so well, and, and, I mean, the tactics you know, that and, they used to get that however were not necessarily the best. Yeah, if you want to sure, about sure, screwing sure, over, sure, screwing yeah, over the stadium gonna, in Minnesota. We're not going to we're not going to we're not going to get into that because very From what I understand is, they have put in good investments in um in the Vikings. I mean like I've also like I've been looking at comments on Reddit and stuff. And I mean, people think like owner wise, they are good owners. They have put a lot into the team. Obviously, the Vikings haven't won anything in quite some time. But as far as putting a product on the field, putting time and money into it, they seem to have done a good job at that. Yes. And, and yeah. we won't so even I, we, we won't even mention any of the, the other stuff. But I do want to mention that Ziggy Wilf is a German born Jew whose parents are Holocaust survivors. Mm-hmm. So kind of an interesting shift from a Brazilian who started English-speaking schools in Brazil to a German-born American Jew. That's, that's pretty cool. I like that. I mean, listen, does it concern me a bit that, and not that Flavio was ever local ownership to begin with, but you know, having gone from people like Phil and Kay Rollins running the team who are very connected to now, you know, are kind of like a satellite ownership. You know, it's not somebody who is living in Orlando, has connections to Orlando, let alone the United States. Well, I mean, they have connections, but obviously immigrated here to the U.S. So, I mean, there's that aspect as well. If you want to look at it and say, you know, maybe not every decision is going to be made with the best intentions, but we'll see. That's all we can do. Well, so so part of that is obviously when you own a an NFL team in Minnesota, which is going to be your money maker versus an MLS team, right? Not a not really an argument there. Um, one of my big concerns with with ownership, and there have been many, but has been, and it's very fitting being a Manchester United fan and seeing kind of very similar issues there. But seeing a very, it is a very quiet and closed off front office, and would like to see a more front facing ownership group or owner or, or whatever you want to see the organization taking the initiative with the community. And I don't mean just like, are we getting fan opinions and, and things like that? And I don't think that's as big of a deal, but just are you invested in the community or are you invested in the team and the financial product that the team is? I don't know enough about the Vikings. I, I don't know a lot of Vikings fans. So I don't know what the general feel is about them. Although I will know, uh, note that I've never heard anything negative 
and there are plenty of owners in sports that you whether you care about their teams or not you do hear the negative things so i think that in and of itself is not a bad thing especially when you own something as prestigious as an nfl team i think if you own an nfl team and are a bad owner people will know and if people don't like you it will be very obvious to people who don't pay attention so my only hope is that especially as people who are not here and the bulk of their time is not going to be spent here although i guess perhaps it could because the, the seasons don't conflict a ton but my old my only you know who wants to come to florida during the summer that's awful you come here during the winter um i i hope that they are a bit more you know everybody knows phil new phil and k rollins and and there was no question that they they were very in it for the community Mm. and not 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 the how much money can we make from having a soccer team right obviously there are business sides to it there are business things to be taken into account but nobody questions how much they loved orlando as a city not just orlando city the team but orlando as a city and still love orlando as a city so i think the question going forward is going to be like if there's new ownership is that going to are we going to get back to owners who are not to the same level that that the Rollins were right because it it won't it just won't be the same. Mm-hmm. But will it at least be an improvement on that? And I think that alone, forget all of the other stuff that they can bring to the table. I think that alone makes a world of difference. But that's why you have uh, a person like Kay Rollins still as a huge part of the club is because of her community outreach. The the everything oh, yeah. that she no, no, no. built. You're right. You're you're absolutely right. And, now, and she's think, gone. Think, it's a different story. And I and I don't think she will be. And I think because I think from everything we've seen from Kay, very very obviously loves Orlando with a passion, and you can see with the amount of work that she's done with the community. Like there is no question there, right? That so I don't I don't I don't mean to sound like there was any question on that. My my thing is you you want to have that and more. Mm-hmm. You don't want to replace that. I think I think having someone like Kay, obviously affiliated with the club, but even just affiliated with the city is extremely important and extremely valuable and very good. I think you also want to see if there are new owners, you want to see them come alongside that and support it, not just behind the scenes, but very publicly and putting their names and faces to it, not just the club's name behind it. Mm -hmm. But hey, we are invested in the things that we are doing for the community and the things that we are doing for this city outside of just the club you know, the, the men's team and the women's team, but we're doing things outside of that. I think that is ideally what you want to see in an ownership group anywhere. You want to see something that's invested in that city, but especially in a sport like soccer, where there's so much, obviously not Orlando, even even pre-MLS days, not, not as old and historic, but there's a lot of very, traditionally, soccer clubs are very invested in their community, very, very mm-hmm. involved in the community, do a lot for the cities or the towns that they're in. And it's, it's an identity. And so you don't want to see an owner come in and just go, well, this is just a moneymaker for me. Even if they just, hey, we want to make the team good because then we can sell it for more. While that might be a net positive thing for the team, I don't just want that. I want to see that there is that genuine care and investment in the city. And I have I, I have no reason to believe either way because we don't know enough about them, but I do know that we don't get that now from ownership. There are people within the club who do stuff, obviously, like we talked about Kay doing stuff, but but you don't see Flavio like out in the streets doing stuff in Orlando, right? It's just not. No. I don't think he, even when he was like actively here in the USL days, he wasn't doing that because right. he and, had people like Phil and Kay Rollins to do that for him. Right. Well, and again, and I want to be very careful with this too. I'm not trying to 
you know, shit on him for that. I'm not trying to say like, how dare you not do that? Because right. I, I think he, well, he put people in place to be able right. to do that, and they did a great right. job he, of doing that. Right, right. He very clearly didn't didn't think that that was all worthless and meaningless. So I do think that is a good thing, and I want to give credit where credit is due. I just would like to see maybe a little bit more, and I think it does help when it is, you know, owners who who are who are stateside, right? Who aren't splitting time. I think that does help a little bit. I think it's similar to you see the disconnect in European soccer clubs where the ownership is foreign and so they're not there all the time or they're not as invested in the community or even the country and so I think that does change things. Um, but you know, like you like like when we see things that happened last summer and all this stuff with George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, you want an owner and an ownership group that comes out and is is on board with that and that's like yeah like this is this is what's happening this is wrong and this is where we stand on it you don't expect that when it's a foreign owned team or club it's not a bad thing that they 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 aren't super outspoken to that because they're not this is not their their experiences aren't intertwined with with the growth of the country and things of the country right it's just different and that's that's totally okay and like i so i don't i don't want that to sound like i'm i'm criticizing that mm-hmm. so i hope that if there are these new owners and they are american and they are very invested in american professional sports that hopefully a lot of that involvement in issues outside of sporting events are a focus for them obviously i think the very the bare minimum the obvious thing for them to do is just to continue to support the things that the club has done off the field. But the thing I would love to see that would make me very, very happy more than anything that the club could do on the field is just to invest in the community and to, to put their names and faces out there. And you want, you want it to grow, right? Yeah. I think the wins, I think winning as an organization comes along with that. But I, but I think there are some things that are more important than results on the field. I think, I don't think Things are going to change. They want this team to win, but I can tell you this: why do why do people want to own NFL teams? Because they make money. <laughs> They're buying Orlando City because this is going to make them money. And I know that the the knock is that MLS teams lose money, but listen, it's soccer United Marketing. That is what they're buying into. I guarantee you that they're taught. They've you know they probably know this from the crafts and the blanks. Like, well, and they've also invested in Nashville. An MLS like they they have. Right, because they MLS. want, but now, but now, they're getting a bigger piece of the pie. Like, why do you think they went from trying to build a team in Minnesota to oh, now we got our foot in the door in Nashville? Now it's we want to buy a team in Orlando because like, they all, see like, something in getting, MLS. Because well, yeah, exactly. Because MLS is a majority owner of Soccer United Marketing, a a company that is valued at over two billion dollars. That gets cashed out to all these teams. That's what you're paying into. You're not paying. Right. I don't. I guarantee they're not the. They might, I mean, they might be soccer fans, but I, I guarantee they're not the biggest Orlando City fans. That's not where they're buying this team. Of course they, not. It's very much a play to make more money, to build the value of this league, which is growing exponentially. I mean, you talk about Flavio bought this team for seventy million dollars, and he's about to sell it for half a billion. I mean, like that. That's what these people are here for. That's why. People like uh, I'm blanking on his name, but the guy, you know, Charlotte is willing to pay over three hundred million dollars for an expansion team in mm. major league. Three hundred million dollars for a team that you know for a league that apparently doesn't make money. That, that's not why he's buying it. He he's buying it because he's getting all of yeah. this extra money through what? everything else that MLS is getting value from. Like that's right. why these people are here. And as long as yeah, as long David as David Tepper, as long as they yeah, David Tepper, as long as they. Um, 
as long as they take care of Orlando City, I mean, listen, they're gonna because that's their value. Like this, the value of this club, the value of this league, that's what's going to make them money, and that's why they're here. I mean, it's not. Right. I don't think they're they they may they may be bad owners for Orlando City, but in their eyes, as long as they're making money, I mean, look at Shad Khan. <laughs> I keep I bring this up a lot, like. He's he is seeing his value franchise in the NFL, the Jacksonville Jaguars, rise by like a billion dollars since his ownership. They have lost over a hundred games in like six seasons. They're they are bad. terrible. They're but he makes a lot of money because the NFL is a very, very valuable league. That's what this is. As long as the value grows, everything else is mute. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously you're right on that. I just that's why I was saying I my hope is that it's not just that if it is, and they just let things that are happening now continue as they're happening. I don't think that's a negative thing. I would just love for there to be that little bit extra, which you do see plenty of owners in in certain cities and different sports. Right. There are plenty that are that are a lot more involved. But you're right. At the end of the day, it's just a business, and I think their goal is just to make money, which I, is okay. I think they'll, in, they'll inject a little right. bit more cash into the team, most likely. But I don't. I don't see this being a thing that is going to impact Orlando City in a in a big or noticeable way. At least, probably not in the short term. So, uh, last thing I want to say about the the Wilfs, uh, and this is only for Gavin. Uh, apparently, one of them owns a ten percent stake in the in the uh, New York Yankees. <laughs> yeah, Try see, there you go. Many get them out, <laughs> turn them down. Right. Don't let them in. All right. Also, uh, I read that um, one of the the Wilfs founded Skyline Developers, and I almost read that as Skyline Chili, and I'm like, wow, okay, never mind. But it's fine. That would have been caused to riot. Yep. All right. We've spent an hour and 15 minutes on the Orlando City it's stuff. Right. We can we can breeze through the rest. It's just a little talking points. So we'll it it really it. realistic. We'll talk about them. All right. So, so the Orlando it. Pride... They start their regular season on Sunday against the Washington Spirit. It's at home. It's at 6 o'clock, and it's going to be uh, open to fans. So if you want to go, go. Uh, should be exciting to see how the Pride will play out now that their regular season is starting and games actually matter. Uh, other than that, there's really nothing else to talk about other than Kanye Plummer getting called up to the Jamaican national team in June. But that'll be farther down the road. So. Good for her. The OC Academy 23s, they played to a 1-1 draw against OFC Barca. Dennis Chin is not with Barca anymore. Go figure. Uh, That is the first draw of the season for the Academy 23s. After winning their first four straight, they are now 0-1-1 in their last two with four games left to go. Uh, They will be playing Jacksonville FC, not in Jacksonville, but in Osceola Heritage Park. I don't think they've had a non-home game this season, which is kind of crazy. So nobody's had to travel for the Academy 23's team. Uh, Saturday at 3 o'clock, they will be playing Jacksonville FC. Then they have three games left against Atletico Orlando, Leg AZ International, and Interjax FC. And that is it for the UPSL stuff. The NPSL, the Central Florida Soccer Club Panthers... Uh, they will be starting their season also uh, this coming weekend uh, after signing Will Johnson officially. They are now scheduled to start their season coming up on May 15th at 6.30 at, against Storm FC. And they will also be at home in Winter Park. So you can head out and check out the Tom Traxler coached, Lewis Neal coached, and uh, Will Johnson captained 
Central Florida Soccer Club Panthers, and uh, hoping to talk with some of those guys in the near future for the show. And then there's UCF men's soccer, the only college team still playing in the NCAA tournament. They took on Pittsburgh, the number two team in the nation, and within the first 15 minutes, they were down 2-0. Uh, when playing it out of the back goes wrong times two, uh, three actually, all three goals that Pittsburgh scored in the first half were because of playing it out of the back. It was not good. Like UCF played well the rest of the game, but those three moments where they just kind of shit the bed defensively uh, cost them the game. And against a good team like Pittsburgh, you can't do that. And that's uh, the end of the UCF season. Once again, in the Sweet 16, a, a cr- an incredible season from them winning the regular season conference championship and the conference tournament, heading into the Sweet 16 in a very short and very weird year. All credit goes to them, and the hope is that they can come back stronger uh, next year, bringing a number of players back, but you're losing your best goalkeeper that's ever basically played for the team in Yannick Odell. He won his third straight goalkeeper of the year in conference, which is almost unheard of in college soccer. To win your third straight conference goalkeeper of the year award, it's crazy. But expect him to probably get a contract, I would say, with uh, a USL team sometime in the near future. Outside of that, we have weird news and red cards. So, gentlemen, let us let us wind down from all that is soccer and uh, give the people some fun stories to send them on their way. So, gentlemen, who's got some good weird news today? Tortoise movers sue for $500,000, say that Florida moved too fast. (laughs) Two men who relocate gopher tortoises are suing Florida's Wildlife Commission, saying they should be awarded at least $500,000 in damages because the agency violated due process by prematurely revoking their company's license. So the story itself, not really that impressive, but the headline... When I initially read it, and the second time, because the first time I read it, I didn't read the article, I assumed that they were suing because they thought the physical state of Florida was moving too fast. (laughs) Unfortunately, they were not that dumb. Turns out this is just a pretty normal mundane complaint. But let's pretend that this company that moves tortoises thinks the state of Florida moves too fast. Literally. I have... Potentially two. I'll go with my first one first. Um, An Italian woman was accidentally given six shots of the COVID-19 vaccine. (laughs) So she's a 23-year-old woman who was mistakenly given six shots of Pfizer vaccine. She's been discharged from the hospital where she was being monitored for any adverse reactions. Uh, She was administered the vaccine at a hospital but the health worker accidentally filled the syringe with an entire bottle of the vaccine containing six doses and then mistakenly gave the shot. But then the patient said, uh, I saw five empty syringes and she realized her mistake. So uh, when you're supercharged against COVID, I mean, let's see how she plays out, right? All right. So I have found found another one that I was reminded of because mine was extremely Well, I've got one last one. Oh, you have a second one. I do have a second one. Uh, Bikini-clad Danilan woman jailed after claiming hotel manager was jealous of her body. (laughs) This is an Ocala, by the way, so Florida woman in this case. (laughs) 
Yeah, of course. Uh, the manager of, of the Country Inn and Suites called uh, Ocala police after she spotted 42-year-old Melody Jean Carr at the pool and didn't remember her being a guest at the hotel. She refused to identify her room number before leaving the hotel pool area on foot. Uh, the officers spotted her a short time later at the nearby La Quinta Inn, and she got aggressive with officers asking what was happening if they needed to leave her alone. She hadn't done. She stated that she hadn't done anything wrong, and the manager of the Country Inn and Suites approached her because she was jealous that her body looked good. She also claimed that she was at the Country Inn and Suites with her boyfriend, who had rented a room there, but there was actually no evidence of that being the case. There's a whole more portion to this story, but I don't care to go into it. Okay, Kyle, your turn. So I, I had forgotten about this one because I felt like it happened years ago and it was only a few days ago. <laughs> but there was, in Ohio, state government was was passing a law banning distracted driving or mm-hmm. increasing fines for distracted driving. And one of the lawmakers, one of the politicians in this Zoom meeting was using a Zoom background to show a house in the background. Mm-hmm. While he was driving... In his car, which you can clearly see because he's wearing a seatbelt and moving his head around <laughs> to look for traffic. Are you sure that's just not a sash and there's just not like a bird <laughs> flying around his apartment? Because that's what it I, looks like to me, honestly. I, I believe he gave the explanation. He had the he had it on like it was a that call it was the woke media phone. trying to cancel him. No, 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 no. It seemed it seemed like the the explanation was which I which I am would be okay with this was just. Yes, obviously the video was on because it had to, it was to join, and I don't expect old people to know how to turn them off. But I think he was just using it like it was a conference call because he's not staring into the camera, conversing with it. It's just kind of there. So I do believe that that part of it. But just the irony of passing new legislation about distracted driving while driving distracted is is peak Ohio, my friends. It's just like I'm watching the video now and it's just so hilarious like how (laughs) you can tell like you can see because of the background like clearly like it's moving behind him like the lighting is going in and out like it's just at that point why are you even try? Mm. (laughs) He keeps like turning on and off his picture and it's like yeah that's definitely like like he's he's clearly checking to like get off an exit or something. Like that's funny. What a, All right. what a guy. Now, uh from weird news, we head into our red cards. So, does anyone have anything that they were pissed and or upset about? Oh my god, do I ever. ESPN. Orlando City, you're getting lumped into this cuz it's the second week in a row and some shenanigans have happened. <laughs> Direct TV, I'm also lumping you into this. Because this week, I sat down prepared to watch Orlando <laughs> City game. Because it was on ESPN, which was great, because I have ESPN. I pay for ESPN+. Plus. I still use my family's Direct TV login. Dad, if you're listening, I definitely don't know the passwords. Don't change it. So I was on, ready to watch it. And there was college softball on, leading into it. Okay, ESPN showing college softball on the main ESPN network. I think that is a cool thing. I think it's cool to promote sports like that. Awesome. But then it's time for the Orlando City game to start, and I find out the game is going to be on ESPN News. Initially, I go, you know what? Not a big deal. I can switch over to ESPN News, except 
somehow having DirecTV and having ESPN Plus does not give you ESPN News. It does not even give you ESPN Deportes, so I could not watch it in Espanol. It's my very accurate pronunciation there. So I was like, you know what? Maybe, maybe, you know, this softball game went pretty quickly, right? Then I learned there's two innings left, so I get a little angrier. And then I realized why in the world? So I guess MLS is also getting thrown into this. If you are pretending to be a major sports league in the U.S. and your sports are getting bumped for a collegiate softball game, and this, to be very clear, would be the same level of anger if this was college baseball, college soccer, college hockey, college basketball, college, maybe not college football because I, that has just a bigger, like, craze around it. But if you are bumping back professional sports for collegiate sports that are not the most popular, like the top two, which would be basketball or football, that is embarrassing. And then... On, if you're ESPN, you don't even make it possible for people to watch the game unless they have some other obscure version of your network. Because God forbid this be easy. God forbid for the second week in a row I'd be able to watch an entire Orlando City game. At least I was able to catch the second half. But I will say uh, the opposite of a red card. I was going to say green card, but that's not a thing in soccer. So we, I don't know, we awarded a penalty kick to, to Oklahoma State for having the decency to at least lose the game and not take it to extra innings so that it could end sooner and that I could watch Orlando City. So a genuine thank you to Oklahoma State. But everybody else, I I, I cannot understand the life of me why you would not bump the collegiate softball game to ESPN News because it wasn't a tournament game. It wasn't a major game. And there was a professional sport on. Any professional sport. I would be just as upset too if, if... ESPN had the rights to NWSL and they were pushing back an NWSL game because I, I realized that this could sound like me going like, ah, don't play women's sports, which is bullshit. I love having women's sports on TV because I think they need to have that, that like it needs to be more accessible to watch. That's why I loved that the NWSL is being is on CBS so more people can watch it. Like I think those things are all objectively great. So the issue is not with that. The issue is you don't bump professional sports for collegiate sports. It's trash. And then you make it impossible for us to watch. So now I got to go two weeks in a row. Well, I'm watching the first half via Austin's Twitter feed, hmm. and it's so much less entertaining than the games. No offense, Austin. No, I, I barely tweet anything. <laughs> I'm going to play devil's advocate here with you, and no. one, like ESPN notoriously never bumps live coverage, no matter what it is. I think there was a game, it was like a Little League regional baseball game one year and like El Trafico was coming on, like they'll they'll stick with what's on until it's over, regardless of how long it takes. Yeah, and so my anger and red card still applies to there. I think that is also a dumb move. But also, I mean, at the same time, it, yes, it shouldn't be that hard, but also like, I, I know you said this wasn't like a tournament game or anything, but I mean, generally speaking, like the women's softball games, like the College World Series does like three times the viewership that an average MLS game does like that. The college, like women's softball is big for ESPN. If, if this was a tournament, if this was a tournament MLS. game, if this was like a, and I think it was something like if Oklahoma state or Oklahoma manages to win a certain amount of games, they get a berth to the tournament, whatever. Like, obviously there are some stakes applied to every game, 
but because I watched it because I was waiting for Orlando City. I was like, yeah, I might as well watch some sports <laughs> and I will watch any sport that's on my television. But it was just, it's, it's for anything. And I guess Little League World Series, it's also different because, again, World Series, it's a tournament, more important than a regular season game for a professional sport. But when you're just pitting regular season games against regular season games, collegiate or amateur or whatever versus professional, like you're the professional sport or, 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 Make it accessible for everyone to be able to watch. Put it on a feed that anybody can log into and watch. Don't make it locked behind some other random obscure paywall that nobody has access to. That I think that is more the issue. It's not so much that they chose to play the softball, but that they chose to make the Orlando City game first half only available to the percentage of subscribers that have ESPN News. And I don't know how you get ESPN News. Obviously, it's a part of some I mean, I have it packages. on Hulu. Yeah, obviously, it's a part of some packages but not all. And so when I have cable and ESPN plus, and I can't watch it red card, I don't like that. I don't like that red card and, and we'll debate re upping ESPN plus next year. All right. Um, my red card is to Tim Tebow because of course, like you're 33 years old and a former quarterback. What are you doing signing for the Jaguars as a tight end? I just, just, uh, no, the red card, the red card goes to Jacksonville for wanting to pay him. The red card also goes, a retro, a, a, a preemptive red card to every white person who all of a sudden is in favor of NFL players kneeling before games, starting this season again. <laughs> so, preemptive I think red my card. main issue is that they're siding him. He hasn't. I mean, the guy hasn't been on a field in eight years, and yet the knock against Colin Kaepernick was that oh he's been out for too long. Like one of those was manufactured, the other one was just a decision that he made and. It's either now the it's ownership like, hey, saying, "Hey, we need we need a, a gimmick," or Urban Meyer being like, "I want my buddy." Well, L- they listen. have a gimmick. They had a gimmick with um, Gardner Minshew. First, well, and Gardner even Minshew. Blake Bortles. And now they have, and now they have Trevor Lawrence. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, who is yeah. you know number one. No matter, overall. I think that's the thing. I, if, Orla- if Jacksonville did not have Trevor Lawrence, there'd be more of an outrage of this. But like the city is so high right now, <laughs> just excited because of what we have. Like. That, that no one cares. No one cares. I don't think he's not going to contribute for Jacksonville. I just think, uh, again, the the massive hypocrisy, like you mentioned with Kaepernick being out of the league and not even being able to come back and play the position he plays. And here you have Tim Tebow coming back in his 30s on a position that he's never played before when he's been out of the league for so long. But we all know. We all know why he's getting back in, and it's for all the white reasons. <laughs> I joked when Urban Meyer was hired for the Jaguars that – I need Tim Tebow on my coaching staff. And I was joking to people like he's going to bring in Tim Tebow as, as a coach, like a quarterback coach. Yeah, he just he he's trying to change his name from Urban Meyer to Suburban Meyer. <laughs> All right, Gavin, go ahead. My red card of the week, and this should seem pretty obvious, goes out to the Columbus Crew. Uh, straight red, get out. Boy. Ten game suspension, ten year suspension. Get like, <sighs> what are you doing? Major, these MLS teams are just pissing me off with the way that they feel like they need to rebrand every year. Like Chicago did it. It was terrible. Montreal did it. I think the way, the way that uh, Brad put it the other day was perfect where it's just like, yes, we saved the crew finger on monkey's paw curls. It's like, yes, you saved the crew, but at what cost? Right. And you know, all of these teams are obsessed with, making themselves identifiable to a quote-unquote global audience. They want to be global brands. I mean, 
we're talking about major league soccer teams that many of which do not even resonate within their own cities. Like, and yet they're, they're getting so much more ambitious. You're it's putting the cart before the horse. Like you gotta be one before you can be the other, you know, they're just getting up their own ass. Real Madrid, like, (laughs) These, yeah, like these clubs were big within their own cities before the rest of the world caught on to it. Not the other way around. Like, you know what makes you a global soccer brand? Being one of the best soccer teams in the world. Right. I don't know many teams. Not. I don't know many fans in Europe or around the world that are like, I'm a Columbus Crew fan. No, they're either the LA Galaxy or the the New York teams or like one of the big market teams. Columbus isn't that. You're not go, you're not by doing this. Who is not... becoming a fan of these teams because of what they're called? Right. I would watch the Columbus Crew if they had amazing soccer players and they were a great product. Not because they're called Columbus SC. Oh, oh okay, they're Columbus Soccer Club. They must be really good at soccer as opposed to oh, they're Columbus Crew. Oh, yeah, no, they're probably shit. Like come on. You talked earlier about how owners are going to do whatever they can to just make more money. Like, that's their main goal. So, clearly, Columbus, which are a good team, right? Or at least have been recently. I've not watched it this year because it's early in the season and I've barely been able to watch Orlando. But obviously, at some level, they're seeing that they're they're getting a lot of support outside of Columbus. I think in Columbus, I don't think a lot of people are into soccer. I think they're into Ohio State football. And that's pretty much it. So I think their thought was we're trying to branch out more while still keeping the club local. Because if you think about it too, a lot of the outrage over Columbus moving wasn't entirely coming from Columbus. It was coming from the rest of the country, people not wanting it to move, which was good. Again, not knocking that, but it wasn't like Columbus I mean, they had have kept like, it if there wasn't local support. But it wasn't like Columbus had like eighty thousand people out there going like, "Oh, how dare you move!" Right? So, so obviously, at some level, they're sitting and going, "Okay, but this is going to be a net positive because it's going to be a more approachable name." But my thing is, for MLS, if you want to become a more global sport, play your sport the same way the entire fucking rest of the world plays it. Don't come up with your own rules and your garbage bucks and your bullshit like that. That is what's hindering you from being a world famous league and competing with some of the best in the world not whether your teams are named columbus crew or columbus sc that is inconsequential what matters just, is like this obsession this obsession with having to be just like the rest of the world that's not what is holding major league soccer back you know it's it's the rules it's the lack of you know star players it's the lack of big money players like it's not the brands it's not the names like how many teams in major league soccer more than half of the teams in major league soccer go by football club like how does that make sense it doesn't people don't know la galaxy because their name is the la galaxy people know la galaxy because of david beckham and landon donovan right and their brand because of that right Their, their brand is not global because of the name that they have, it's because of the fact that rules were bent so that they could bring in some of the best players in the world. What if we got rid of those stupid rules and allowed someone like Beckham to come in, buy a team, and go, you know what, I'm just going to pour all of my money into bringing over, you know, insert player name here and making this team good. And then other clubs having to go, well, shit, now we've got to do the same thing. Because they will, because they want to compete. And it's, it's, why, it's almost like this is a sport that is played in every country in the world. And the entire world has managed to figure it out and make it the most popular sport in the world. And we have decided that we're going to do it a different way 
but also we want those people's money, but also we're, we're not going to do it the way that's more competitive and more entertaining to watch and can make even the poorest of teams money because they have a chance to succeed. We're going to do it the American way, you know, because obviously the way the rest of the world has done it with the world's most popular sport is not good enough. So we're going to do differently, but also we have to name our teams like they do so we can be more popular because that's what it is. It's the names that make them better. Unjustifiably in a position that I'd rather not be in. It's pretty much the entire city of Columbus. That seems like a good place to call it today. Yes, we have gone quite long for some for a show that didn't have as much substance. We we made it substantial, as as we tend it's to just do. What good content creators do. Just, yeah, we'll go with that. They make something out of nothing. Well, you know, I would just like to quote. I would like to quote Austin Davy really quick. With no pride to talk about, it will be a short episode. Well, you guys wouldn't shut up. (laughs) Listen, when you tell us that there's not a lot to talk about, it just Uh, you guys did this on purpose. I (laughs) I told you I was going to do this, so it's not even like it was a surprise. Like I said, when Kyle and I get going back and forth, it's very hard to stop. Like that's. I literally said, with no pride to talk about, it should be a sort of episode. And then you responded, is that a challenge? And there you go. Hour and 40 minutes later, here we are. Like I said, it's like it's an unwritten rule. It's like jinxing a no-hitter. Like You just don't say, this is get, we're going to make this a short episode. Uh, Historically speaking, that usually means it's going to be a long episode. I hate it. I hate it, everything. All right. With that, I'm going to call it a day. And so are you guys. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to another edition of the Orlando Soccer Show. We'll be back next week to talk about the city game, pride game, etc. Um, we didn't even talk about the DC United game. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, that's it. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you later.